0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Good evening to you, everyone. Welcome into this Wednesday edition of Southern Sports Central. Uh, the voice you hear right now on the airwaves is that of Will Porter. Yes, I am. I'm am the producer, uh, the co-host, and uh, right now filling in for Richie. He's going to be joining us uh, later on in the broadcast, but uh, thank you for tuning in to this uh, 6 o'clock p.m. edition of Southern Sports Central rolling with you uh, right now for, for two two straight hours and some good uh, football uh, topics to discuss from the College Uh, from the college front to the NFL, uh, a bunch of other different uh, storylines that have uh, happened since yesterday, since we left you uh, at eight o'clock yesterday. And man, just a lot of different things here and there that uh, have come uh, across the air, uh, uh, through the airwaves, uh, notifications on your phone, all these different things. Uh, And we are going to uh, help you get caught up from all of that, the the actions uh, and the headlines from yesterday. And again, uh, those that are happening today. So uh, from the leftovers of the, the college football and the college football playoff uh, to the upsets in and, and college basketball, there was a tweet that I put out uh, just a, a few short hours ago earlier today uh, telling Clemson fans not to worry, especially for me, saying, uh, hey, look, no need to get discouraged because uh, Clemson's currently beating the the state of North Carolina in basketball, which is uh, something really unheard of. Uh, uh, the entire state of North Carolina, they've beaten NC State. Uh, they, they've they beaten uh, the one of the top teams in the country, one of the most historic, prestigious teams in the country, that is uh, that of the North Carolina Tar Heels, and then the Duke uh, Blue Devils uh, last night, and and that one was a very surprising win for for most, if not all, uh, of uh, college basketball fandom and and the people that are uh, across of that spectrum uh, as well. And, and so that's a lot to really uh, dive into that we're gonna uh, we're gonna get into later to, uh, tonight in the podcast. If you want to call in and be a part of this conversation. Uh, you can do it right now. The number to call in is 323-784-9681. So it was NC state, then it was North Carolina, and then it was Duke. The the a lot of these teams that are the more prestigious uh teams that are that are really a staple of college basketball, if you will. And and it's something quite frankly that I really enjoy uh starting like started last year. Uh, and really, the year before, but uh, full-fledged fandom from last year on into this year uh, in college basketball, and, and just really taking a look at, across the spectrum and the history of of the game and uh, the, the the players that have come through, and all these different things, uh, these different aspects. And I, I've looked into this, and just how incredible that that Clemson has become, uh, just just in a few. Uh, short days but I, I wouldn't call it great I just call it a stroke of luck that this is a snag that uh, these other teams that they've just they just happened to hit and this is this is where that they are right now and um and I know some I know some fans of uh, of UNC I know some fans of Duke and uh, conversations with them all have been really that uh, you know the conversation for UNC is that you know it's not really a good team even coach Williams has said that himself uh in a radio uh in a radio interview a couple of weeks ago saying that this is not the best team that I've had um but also uh, uh, coach K and his uh and his Duke uh, Blue Devils how they've uh, they've been able to overcome adversity and, and losing a, a lot of good players uh, to the NBA draft of course Zion uh and RJ Barrett uh namely uh but then you you have the, these other these other key pieces that that he's filled in uh and and just a matter of uh, it was just a matter of time before uh, a, a result like this was going to happen, and it just happened last night uh, there at Little John Coliseum up in Clemson, uh, South Carolina. And so, you know, with all that being said, uh, and, and you know, putting that all into perspective, the, the, it's been a wacky year. It's not really been an off year, but a wacky year for college basketball. And the fact that the number one team—it's been a curse of the number one. Because you've had now i think eight or nine teams that have been in the number one seed, and then that very next week uh even before the the conference play got underway at, at the start of the twenty twenty uh year because the twenty twenty calendar year that's when uh the these things get underway uh for these for these teams for these programs, even before then there were at least six seven eight teams that were ranked in the top. Uh, that were ranked in the top spot that very same week uh, they lose either to an unranked opponent or somebody of that caliber that uh, would not be in in a top 25 conversation or or even top 20 top 15 it's just happened to be uh it just happened to come across that way and uh and taking a look at taking a look at the game and the matchup that that happened uh, you know, just a wild four days for Clemson fans. 79-72 uh, is your uh, result there in, uh, in Clemson, uh, and Clemson improves to nine and seven, but they are seventh in the ACC, uh, and Duke is uh, 15 and two. They're ranked third, and I'm sure that that one is going to um, that that one's going to drop as well. Now, uh, you know, Vernon Carey he had 20 points, seven rebounds, and, and two assists for uh, the Duke Blue Blue Devils, but it was a mere uh, Sims who had a career high last night of 25 points uh, along with nine, re- nine rebounds and five assists there and, and and just taking a look I think that the, the defense and the defensive side of things really helped Clemson in this light because they had four blocks uh, compared to, to Duke's two uh, and there were there were just fewer mistakes and the, the way that they were able to um, that they were what they were able to do um, but you know Duke they had more uh, foul trouble that they got into I think one one player ended up uh, uh, being disqualified because of too many fouls he fouled out uh, and and just all of that and in front of um, 8,500 fans there uh, and and Duke being a 10-point favorite and then just just how that ends for them it's just it it was only a matter of time I would I would presume uh, for them to to fall the way that they did but uh, with all that being said, again, a lot of things to get into, a lot of things to dive into uh, as far as the college conversation, as far as the NFL conversation, uh, how these things intertwine because a lot of players today that they announced uh, that they're going to be uh, foregoing their senior season or that they are, are le- they are leaving to go to the NFL draft, uh, a, b- a bunch of these different things. Uh, so with, without further ado, we're going to take a quick break, quick timeout here. We're going to come back. Time is 6.07. In the afternoon, and to that we say good, good evening to you all. This is uh, Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio.
0: We buy the stuff, okay. We just made We just made We got my shoes. We're going to go. 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 We're
1: going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to
0: go. We're going to 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 go. We're going we are going we 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 i the a of the the
1: started and to continue it uh to keep it going time is 6:10 right now if you're just tuning in welcome into southern sports central this uh wednesday edition of the show my name is will porter i'm the, the producer of the show to uh, press the buttons to answer the phone calls uh and everything to just keep the show running smoothly as best as we possibly can here to give you a five-star quality show and if you want to be a part of that five-star quality show uh, we would encourage you to call into the show and uh, let us know what topics that you want to discuss, what you want to dive into. The number to call in is 323-784-9681. Uh, again, 323-784-9681. Richie Altman is going to uh, be joining me here in just a few short minutes uh, uh, later on in the show, uh, but without further ado, do want to dive into these uh, these uh, topics of conversation that is uh, really been the the focal point of the college football and uh and n f l conversations uh starting with uh, l s u again they they pulled off an incredible season uh to cap it off they win a national championship they were led by a a heisman trophy winning quarterback in joe burrow and for all that it was worth uh it was certainly the one of the greater sights to see and and to witness uh this uh, storybook ending. Uh, then finally come to a close. I know that we uh, discussed some of it more in detail last night, but uh, to to want to uh, dive more into it, if anybody has seen this, um, this is you know brand new news that that's uh, you know still unfolding since Monday night. But uh, if anybody saw it, Odell Beckham Jr. He he's a wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, formerly with the New York Giants. He was uh, a, he's an LSU alum, so uh, that's to preface this. But he was there at the game. He was on the sideline, and before the game was entirely over, before it the the winding seconds and minutes uh, down into the final to, to before it was a final. Uh, he was handing out cash to uh, players for uh, for LSU, and uh, there was the news that came out. You know, you know this this could be, possibly be something with the NCAA, uh, and, and LSU can get into trouble. OBJ can get into trouble. Uh, with the NCAA doing this uh doing this type of thing because uh, it's it's one thing to like it's one thing to give cash it's another thing to uh to give cash and you're on uh you're all caught on camera doing it and I'm sure that it was a stunt and and a lot of the speculation was that that it was a stunt it was just it was just fake money it wasn't actually real uh I don't know tens or hundreds or whatever that it was the the dollar amount that was given to uh these players but um that's not that's not all entirely true according to uh that of joe burrow joe burrow actually said no they were actually real uh, and, and as a matter of fact i don't know if he said it you know i can prove it to you right now but it, it was it was a uh it was a dilemma and and as a matter of fact lsu uh contacted the ncaa about that potential infraction and so there was a statement for about about half an hour ago that was released um, from LSU on the Odell Cashgate, I guess that's what they're going to call it uh, here. But he said in a quote, "We are aware of the situation regarding Odell Beckham Jr. interacting with LSU student athletes and other unaffiliated with the team, um, and others unaffiliated with the team following the championship game Monday night. Initial information suggested that Bills." that were exchanged were novelty bills. Information and footage reviewed since shows apparent cash may have also been given to LSU student-athletes. We were in contact with the the NCAA and the SEC immediately upon learning of this situation in which some of our student-athletes may have been placed in a compromising position. We are working with our student-athletes, the NCAA, and the SEC in order to rectify the situation. This is is truly one-of-a-kind, and I I think it was Richie that said it on the show. If not, then it, it was somebody else that I heard it. But I, I guess how appropriate for it to be Odell Beckham Jr. to uh, give out these uh, th- this fake cash, or even if it was real. Either way, the gesture of, of giving cash to the college players, I, I guess it was a symbol of that they are going to get paid, that they are going to uh, get their money's worth in the NFL one way or another. Uh, somehow some way that they're going to be stars in that league uh, just like odell beckham jr is um, and the stardom that uh, i guess that comes with it the the money that comes with it and so that's uh that that's really what uh is expressed in this uh in this is you know college football news uh is going on but it's 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 kind of crazy uh and, you know joe burrow again he said that the money was real in fact the money was real this uh this uh, quarterback who who just won and, and realizing that, um, you know, this this whole dream has come true of his and that um, he contradicts the school's claim <laughs> and that Odell Beckham Jr. Was indeed handing out fake money. Um, but uh, he, he appeared on the uh, podcast, uh, pardon my take. And he said that, um, that he was actually indeed uh, handing out real money on the field. And that was after video footage uh of, Back on passing out the cash it was captured on social media um and then the LSU athletic official uh told uh, a, a a reporter from the advocate that the money wasn't real uh and then it was included that the school was still investigating the situation because there were novelty novelty bills on the field during the team celebration but it was unclear if OBJ was used was using those and then Burroughs said on the podcast that he's not a student athlete anymore so he can say yeah and when asked if, if Beckham gave him I- any money, the LSU head coach Ed Ogeron said Tuesday that he was unaware of what was happening uh, with Beckham and the money and uh, and it should be added too that if any of the players did receive money they will likely give it back to avoid any uh, potential uh, rule violations uh, from the NCAA and the Tigers, again, they win their first national title since 2007 and this was a huge thing and Beckham was there uh, to support the, uh, his his former alma mater, he was um, he was selected number twelve overall by the new york giants in the twenty fourteen n f l draft and uh and he's been on a um he has been on a course of stardom and that's that's kind of debatable but i'm not going to get into that the point is is the fact that this is this is big if if something bad uh ends up coming out of this um and you know joe burrow kind of breaking this news first and it's uh, it's kind of crazy and ridiculous uh it's it's kind of crazy and kind of ridiculous how this all happens but lsu uh releasing that report they are going to be in in full compliance with this uh and uh th- i'm sure that this is a topic of conversation that uh when richie uh later joins in the broadcast that we can continue to um can dive back into this and i, I can get to his thoughts a little bit more uh, after all it is uh, only one-sided right now but you know, continue to continue on with with the conversation uh, of a lot of these teams, uh, a lot of these players that were in the national championship game. They have now declared either they're going to stay or they're going to go, and it's it's really crazy. Just uh, uh, looking at all of the uh, just looking at all of this, uh, <laughs> all of these players that are that are very very talented players and that they are declaring now for the, for the NFL um, it, it's it's pretty spectacular to see and uh and a lot of it is you know <sighs> yeah a, a lot of it a lot of it is just great uh a lot of it is just great to see um Grant Delbert he he was a defensive a defensive player he's ranked about number 15th overall he he has declared uh, for the NFL draft after his college football playoff uh, title title win. He is foregoing his senior season, and he's entering the draft. He says that we are champs. We ho- we hoisted the trophy for you and LSU fans everywhere. Um, and I've decided to move on to the NFL. I will carry the joy and excitement of this season with me uh, forever. And, again, he, he's a New Orleans native. He made most of his wide-ranging impact as a sophomore when he, talented, uh, when he tallied 74 tackles, nine passes uh, defended, five sacks, five interceptions, and a forced fumble, he's been a productive member of the LSU secondary pretty much from the moment he walked on campus. You know, 60 tackles and eight passes across 13 appearances as a true freshman, and, and you know he remained a, a um, stalwart for, for the Tigers over the past two years. Um, and though no, he, he enters this um, he entered this past season as a highly touted NFL prospect. Uh, but he failed to, na- to take another significant uh, step forward. He, he just finished his junior season with 65 tackles uh, and, and two uh, interceptions. But, um, you know, somebody they, they listed him as one of the high-profile players whose draft stock has dropped uh, throughout this year, and he cited his uh, missed tackles uh, as a key reason. This is uh, Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. He says that it's been an issue since he missed a pair of big ones in the Texas game early on, but the concern only has grown. Uh, just, uh, Delpit, he missed two or more tackles in seven of the eight games since then and had a brutal time at Bama missing four tackles in that game. Uh, and this is a 2018 All-American. He, he said in October that his main focus was the team's success, not really his individual numbers. You know, saying he's saying he, he's pretty tough on himself uh, to make a lot of plays, but he understands that you can't make all the plays, uh, all the tackles and all the interceptions. So he says, just as long as I'm doing my job, as long as we're playing great as defense, uh, it doesn't matter who makes the play or anything like that, just as long as we win. Uh, but his, you know, his upside as a high-impact player in the secondary, it's very evident. Uh, but he must clean up the tackling issues to become uh, an every-down player in, in the pros. Not only is it Grant Delpit, but on the other side of the ball, the Clemson Tigers, T. Higgins, uh, has decided to enter the NFL draft. He posts on uh, Twitter uh, close to about two hours ago saying that uh, the last three years at Clemson have been unbelievable. Uh, one national championship, and three college football playoff appearances uh, are accomplishments and experiences that can never be taken away. But Clemson is so much more than that. Clemson is different. It's hard to explain. I, I know it has been said that there's something in these hills. And as someone who grew up on the other side of those hills in Tennessee, I can tell you that it is 100% true. There really is something in these hills. If I had to boil it down to one word, I guess it would be, have to be family. Clemson is family. I've been loved and treated like family from day one. I have formed relationships uh, that will last a lifetime. And he thanks Coach Sweeney for just giving him the opportunity uh, to pursue his dreams and for pursuing me to grow and become a better man. Uh, I want to thank Coach Scott and Coach Elliott for making me a better player uh, and always being there for me. I want to thank my teammates. Football is the ultimate team sport. Y'all are my boys forever. I want to thank uh, all the rest of the staff, too. Uh, and it's, uh, and just all the incredible support, including equipment managers, strength and conditioning coaches, training room staff, academic advisors. You guys make it happen, uh, for us to be the best we can be. And I'm grateful for that. Um, all of you together make Clemson feel like family, the fans, uh, thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. I want to thank God for all he has blessed me with. None of this is possible without him. Finally, I want to thank my own family, my mom and sister you both have sacrificed so much for me to be in this position. I love you. Uh you are why I do what I do. It has been uh it has always been my dream to play in the NFL and take care of my family. Because of Clemson, I now have the opportunity to do just that. So it is with a grateful heart that I announce today my intention to enter the 2020 NFL draft. God bless you and go Tigers. T Higgins. It it's it's pretty spectacular considering all the things and the accomplishments that he has done and, and what a great uh, player that he is. Um, he has announced his decision he's going to forego his senior season. 59 catches, uh, close to 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns this season en route to the team's run uh, to the national title game. And his positioning within this stacked draft class of receivers it has been fluid as the season has worn on. Other receivers viewed as high-end first-round draft picks that includes Jerry Judy from Alabama, uh, and Henry Ruggs III, as well as Oklahoma's C.D. Lamb. However, the likes of Minnesota's Tyler Johnson, uh, you know, uh, Colorado's uh, LaVisca Chenault Jr. and TCU's Jalen Rigor have the potential to sneak up the board. Um, you know, somebody from uh, somebody who covers uh, has been scouting since 2003. He tweeted, uh, "This upcoming wide receiver class is the best I've ever seen." This is Daniel Jeremiah uh, on Twitter. And now this Higgins, Higgins is the second best receiver in the class. And uh, and this is the, somebody who, uh, with an opinion, said that he truly can do it all at six foot four, 215 pounds. Higgins has intimidating size. He routinely controls his body into awkward positions to make catches and has some of the strongest hands in college football. And don't give him room to run because he'll hit the accelerator and run by just about anyone and everyone. He's averaging 20 yards per grab this season. And again, he's the latest Clemson receiver to be uh, reputed so highly. The university has become known as a wide receiver U because of the pipeline of NFL talent at the position. You know, since 2010, nine NFL uh, our Clemson wide receivers have been drafted. Uh, three have been in the first round. Uh, we know Mike Williams to the LA Chargers in 2017, Sammy Watkins, um in, in 2014 and then the Houston Texans DeAndre Hopkins in 2013. Of those three, Hopkins has had the most successful pro career as a two-time All-Pro. And if Higgins ends up dropping because of the volume of receiving talent available, someone figures uh to land a steal uh in T Higgins. Justin Jefferson is another name. Uh he he's an LSU Receiver who caught the four touchdown passes in the uh, in route to the win against Oklahoma in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, uh, most notable. But um, he is uh, taking off. Uh, Joe Burrow's favorite target is is going to follow uh, Joe Burrow to the NFL. And uh, so Justin Jefferson going into the 2020 draft, and he said this: We just had a perfect year. We won the national championship and set records. We had a lot of awards and did it with our team. I feel like it was the best way to go. And Jefferson recorded team-high 111 receptions for 1,540 yards and 18 touchdowns last season. And he hauled in nine passes, uh, 406 yards uh, in um, in the championship game on Monday. And LSU is expected to have a mass exodus of talent, again, after one of the greatest seasons in college football history. And Jefferson joins a list of underclassmen who have declared that already, uh, includes uh, linebacker Patrick Queen, Patrick Queen and Grant Delpit. Uh, he's from Louisiana, and this is what he said. LSU took me under, the, under their arms and practically raised me. Being in this situation now and seeing myself leaving LSU, I'm definitely grateful for the coaches and fans and especially my teammates for being there with me. I'm definitely going to miss it. The staff and everyone in that building was great. Now, Todd McShay from ESPN, he has uh, Jefferson ranked as the number 19 overall prospect in the 2020 class. He ranks behind Alabama's Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs III and Oklahoma's C.D. Lamb uh, among the whiteouts, And he's a second-team All-SEC selection, and he merged as the sure-handed intermediate target to Jamar Chase's uh, deep threat in the offense. He's not considered elite at any one category, but he, he has good size, six 6'3", 192 pounds, Downfield speed, and he's displayed an ability to keep the chains moving with his separation underneath. And so, a final comment: any team that misses out on the Judy Ruggs Lamb trio could uh, could easily find a top-end wide receiver two in the middle of the first round. It, it's it's a lot to, to unpack here because of just so much um, so much talent that is leaving the college game and going into the NFL. Either by choice or just their their time is up, and this is a great class for wide receivers. You know, it was hard to it was hard to pin exactly what this uh, what this meant for for the game and for the draft and and this upcoming because y- you have a handful of quarterbacks, but really only two notable names, which is um, which is Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. Although Tua is uh, not, I wouldn't call him a shell of himself, but he is, uh, definitely, uh, faltered with the injuries and, and, uh, that, that has hindered him and Joe Burrow has hindered Tua from being the number one overall draft pick, you know, but nonetheless, uh, a great core of receivers that are going to be going, uh, into the NFL draft, uh, because th- again, this is just great, uh, and, and continues to be a great class to, um, you know, build on. And so you have Justin Jefferson, uh, T Higgins, Najee Harris, by the way, he is returning to Alabama and and he's going to return for his senior season. Alabama's leading rusher uh, Najee Harris. And, and just to the the steps, the steps that LSU is taking, the the steps that uh, a lot of these teams here are taking LSU in particular, it's probably going to be sort of a step back. I say that because the step back is it's going to be they're, they're losing a lot of talent on offense and on defense. Plus they're, they're losing Joe Brady, Joe Brady. uh, He's going to back out of his contract extension and he's going to join the Carolina Panthers. This was, uh, this was first reported by Adam Schefter uh, yesterday afternoon before the show. And, and so then that, that's just the question of, you know, what's next for the, for this team. Um. And it's and it's something to it's really it's really something to behold. Uh, With that being said, we're going to take a quick time out here. Time is 630 and going to continue on with the with the football conversation, kind of diving into the NFL. It's a surprise yesterday. Uh, If you don't know what I'm getting at. Well, I get it. I will get into it at the uh, top or or at the top of this next break. So uh, don't go anywhere just yet. This is the Wednesday edition of Southern Sports Central. Uh, right here on Blog Talk Radio We will be right back
2: Hello, I'm Johnny Cash I hear the train a-coming It's rolling around a bend And I ain't seen the sunshine Since I don't know where I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps a rolling rollin on down to San Antonio. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son, always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns. But I shot a man in Reno, just to watch him die. When I hear that whistle blowin', I hang my head and cry.
1: And welcome back in here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Southern Sports Central time is 33, and you are listening to Southern Block Talk Radio. My name is Will Porter, and if you're just tuning tuning in, then thank thank you so much for joining us. Um, in this, and this and man, uh, this has been this has been quite the the wacky 24 hours, really, uh, for for LSU. Um, you know the. A lot of team, a lot of these guys are declaring for the 2020 NFL draft. Safety, Grant Delpit, linebacker Patrick Queen, wide receiver Justin Jefferson, center uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, linebacker Jacob Phillips, and um, Sahik Charles, uh, a left tackle. They've all declared for the 2020 NFL draft, all the while LSU's passing game coordinator Joe Brady uh, accepting a job with the Carolina Panthers. Again, all of this within a matter of, of 24 hours. And all within a matter of 24 hours, the, the entire landscape of a team has, has also ended. Uh, there, there were reports, and it, and it just came out as a huge surprise to anybody and everybody who, who just keeps track of the NFL. Luke Kuechly, a, a linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, uh, announces that he is uh, retiring from the NFL. Uh, one quote that uh, that's pulled from it, he said, in my heart, I know it's the right thing to do. And Luke is only 28 years old. He turns 29 on April 20th, and now he is finished playing football. You know, something else, too. Uh, uh, Field, Yates from, uh, uh, F- Field Yates is a great uh, thing for ESPN, all things football. Uh, something that he said kind of uh, uh, stuck out on Twitter. He said, six months ago, I could have imagined Andrew Luck and Luke Keekley." as the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the NFL season this season and years beyond. Now, two incredible players, both are retired. And a lot of tributes pouring in, of course, this is, um, and Luke Keekley, he was one of two players to win uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year in consecutive seasons. The other was Lawrence Taylor. Keekley was selected uh, to seven straight Pro Bowls, uh, to end his career only um only D player with a, a longest streak uh was Mike Singletary with 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 10. And so when you look at this and then also not to mention earlier today uh wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald from the Cardinals he is returning to play uh for a really historic at least to my um at least to my standards a 17th season in the NFL. Um Adam Schefter put out this um uh this data chart for um from the past three seasons, and this is according to Elias uh Sports. There doesn't appear to be a pattern. Uh there are Luke Keekly's and there are Larry Fitzgerald's. Uh in, in twenty seventeen, uh players with five years uh plus of experience, it's uh five it's five hundred and five. Uh with seven years of ex- uh and plus of experience, that's two hundred and seventy four. Uh with ten plus years that's down to just ninety three players. In 2018, it was 518, just just uh, uh, about 13 more. Uh, with uh, seven years of experience, it was only down four, and then with 10 years uh, and more of experience, it was up to 80. It was down to 89, and then this past year, 500 of those players with uh, over five years of experience, 267 with over seven years, and then 81 with just over 10 years of experience uh, or more. Again, this doesn't uh, it doesn't seem to be a pattern, although it really does feel like it, because the man's is uh, the man is 28, and he's going to be uh, 29, like like we said in in April. And this is as shocking as it is. Um, do, do we consider this to possibly uh, to possibly be a trend uh, in the future? No, I, I don't really know because, and that's really hard to answer. Uh, whenever I initially first thought this and, and, um, and, and saw the news and, and was able to listen to uh, Luke Keekley and his comments, and he feels like if it's the right decision, he feels that it is the right decision for him. And I, and I believe, in, in my heart of hearts, I do believe that, that this is the right decision for him if he, if he believes it, and so do I. I just can't help but to think that you know, maybe this could be a new trend. And information suggests that it's not, and I certainly hope that it's not, because you know, players, players nowadays they get paid so much money. Luke Kuechly, over eight seasons, he has made sixty-four million dollars in contracts. Not to mention uh, any more incentives or sponsorships or or, uh, any commercials that he's appeared in, product endorsements, all these things, Um, and any kind of sponsorship money that is tacked on. Like this is. This is money that is—it's—it's it's really and truly an ungodly amount, but in the in the scope of things, that that is that is enough to sustain a living on. And if that's what he feels like he has done, Andrew Luck did the very same thing, but his is more riddled—a a career riddled with injuries. Luke keekley not so much. And and that's where I was kind of confused at the beginning, and, and to see this sudden announcement. Uh, just just come across uh, about less than an hour after the show ended yesterday um uh, before it ended last night and this this is a, a great you know story for, for Luke Keekley um uh this is a former Panthers corner captain um Mullerin he said that Luke Keekley refused to have cable in his home during the first 4 years of his NFL career and Keekley said it would distract him from watching film and for Keekley to he's been dominant any time any time that if if you were to put a face of the Carolina Panthers defense a rightfully so it is Luke Keekley i say was because he's no longer part of the organization he's no longer going to playing football in a career that seems that it's kind of cut short and again Kind of in a, in a way of of uh, continuing this, this wash cycle because it's uh, there there are just a lot of these points that are are to be made and uh, could be repetitive but you know nonetheless this is a 28 year old that a lot of fans a lot of people who follow the sport of football in NFL believe that this is way too soon for for a guy uh, of his age and of his health and, and me myself I I'm included in that. Um, but it's also the fact that <laughs> – it's also the fact that you have a, a Larry Fitzgerald who's a wide receiver, and, and he's going to go in and, and play another game uh, or play another season. Um, and, I mean, my goodness. Like, it, it, it's it's just one of those it, – it's very hard to imagine a Carolina Panthers defense without Luke Keekly, um really calling the shots or, or – um, uh, you know, being, being one of those guys to, to go to, or, 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 you know, it's, it's difficult. And it is going to continue to be uh, difficult as the, as the season goes on uh, next year, as it is a rebuilding year for the Carolina Panthers, Matt rule stepping in uh, as the head coach, Joe Brady, uh, stepping in as the offensive coordinator and to, to really tie this whole thing together is that I think that there is going to be a new system uh put into place um you know the from from a culture standpoint and the the players that you have um the good news is is that the Carolina Panthers they have a a top 5 pick and and this is something to look forward to I'm talking I know that I'm talking more about the Pan, about the Panthers but this is only because uh, Luke Keegley is, is gone and it's it's a shock to everybody, especially Panthers fans. Um, and again, I was surprised whenever the news, when the news came down. But now that, now that he is gone, uh, what does that, like, what does that really mean for, for, for the NFL as we know it? And I guess a trend, if you will. And I don't, I don't believe that this is, um, I don't believe this is going to be too bad of something, but. You know, there are a lot of there are a lot of people that wish that he were that he I guess he didn't make this decision. But if it was best for him, it's best for him. And so the question then becomes, you know, is he is he a Hall of Fame? This is something to to consider. Of course, he was uh, he should be first ballot for for a seven year career, seven time All Pro, first time uh, five time first team All Pro, uh, a two time second team All Pro defensive player of the year uh in 2013 um 2011 defensive rookie of the year and he had 1092 career tackles with 18 interceptions in 8 years as a linebacker um yeah i i think so and you know this this is his next stop should be Canton. Again, this is 118 games that we're talking about. 118 games. I don't. I. Don't, I, I hardly think that he has missed uh, many of those. Uh, he he has had 75 of those tackles for for loss. 66 um, passes defended. 31 quarterback hits. 18 interceptions. Again, 12 and a half sacks. Nine fumble recoveries. Seven forced fumbles. And two touchdowns. All the while, he he won Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year in back to back years um 8 and yeah 18 interceptions to be exact all this put together a, as he says this right now is is the best time for him to to move on and which i, I which i would think that, that is it's something you know for him to say it's a tough decision that he's thought about it a lot and that he thinks now is the right chance for him to move on Um, there's only one way, uh, to play this game since I was a little kid is to play fast and play physical and play strong. Uh, and at this point, I don't know if I'm able to do that anymore. That's the part that's the most difficult. I still want to play, but I don't think it's the right decision. Um, again, this is kind of following the similar path of Andrew Luck, retired at 29 earlier this year before the season even began. and then linebacker patrick willis he was a former all-pro he also retired at 30 in 2015 and and so then taking a look at this as well you know you have rob you have a rob gronkowski retired at 29 it's another one as well it's difficult and 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 i certainly hate to i I for one certainly hate to see it um, happen this way but as something something is worthy to be said. If he is, if he is doing just that and protecting his health, protecting his future, um, as this, this is a very, uh, very shocking uh, retirement announcement for him, uh, for for any player for that matter. Um, you know, for another one, Antonio Gates. He he announced that he's going to be retiring as well, uh, retiring from the. L.A. Chargers after a, a ridiculous uh, career, 16, 16 seasons. And again, all these uh, all these seasons with the Chargers, 236 games, 955 catches, uh, 11,841 yards. That's um, averaged to about 12.5 yards per catch, uh, with 116 touchdowns, a tight end a touchdown leader, and number seven uh, receiving touchdowns uh, all time. He is truly uh, one of the greats. An absolute touchdown re- machine. And I certainly hope that he enjoys his retirement after after those uh, 16 years, uh, the 16 seasons in the NFL. But really and truly, it's nothing in comparison to the, the trend, uh, what seems to be, again, the trend of NFL players, Andrew Luck, Rob Bronkowski, Doug Baldwin, Luke Keekley, all retiring by their age 30 years. Doug Baldwin retired at the age of 30. And this is all within the last year, too within the past 365 days. First it was Gronk, then I think it was Doug, and then it was Andrew Luck and then now it's Cakeley. It's it's tough. And we we can we can continue to have this conversation um about this. And if you do want to uh, interject this conversation with something else, uh, please feel free to call into the show 323-784-9681. But the conversation that it probably should shift to is, um, again, is this a trend? I I said it that I don't think that this is a trend, but I I can't help but think that the the star players or the players that you think are are the the, the stars in the league. Like it, it was one thing for for Andrew Luck. And this that was a conversation that went on for for weeks and, and almost an entire month after he made his decision, uh, because it was before one it was before the season. Second, it was the fact that it was so it was so sudden, but yet it made sense. And because it was at the beginning of the season, there was a lot more to talk about with the the team that he that the team that he was leaving behind. You know this team that he was leaving behind. Um, I had it had a lot of holes to fill, but you had a, a player in Jacoby Brissett who was able to, uh, you know, rally the troops, and and a team and a culture that uh, lost its icon, and for them to uh, um, find a successor, I, I think is it's worthy uh, to note, but. I think Jacoby is doing just fine because he, he came from the Bill Belichick system, uh, up there in new England who saw Tom Brady and, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo at the at the, at the same time. So I don't think the Colts are going to have a problem still moving forward, but that was a conversation then the conversation now is Luke Geekly and the Carolina Panthers. And talking to, talking to someone close to me, um, last night whenever the news broke and, and i had a conversation with them I, you know they couldn't help but mention the possibility that you know because ron rivera left that ron rivera is no longer there for the carolina panthers that that al- also had a a uh, factor in luke keekley and his and his decision um and for him to say, you know, that this is the the right chance for him to move on, like I, I I'm certainly not going to tell him, no, you can't do that, um, because you know he 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 left little doubt um, that that he is a great player in in this league. He was a different breed of linebacker. There's no doubt that he will be missed. And he started all 16 games this past season. He hadn't missed a game since 2017. But some things that should be pointed out that he he suffered multiple uh concussions and shoulder injuries throughout his career uh and in twenty fifteen it was a torn uh labrum not not entirely uh injury he's not an injury prone player, but there are some things that obviously that he recognizes in his game that he feels that he just can't keep up um he he was taught to play fast and play physical and play strong and at this point he he says this at this point I don't know if I'm able to do that anymore and no doubt it was a tough uh decision for him to make if you go back and watch the video um it very emotional Luke Keekley at uh looking at the camera and it's it's tough again it's it's very tough to be to be able to watch him Uh, who has, you know, without a doubt, been one of the greatest uh, players to play the position, a graduate from Boston College, uh, to be drafted by the Carolina Panthers to play uh, his entire career as short as it may seem. But if he is going to want to stick around and uh, be able to walk, you know, be able to uh, move as... As well as uh, the average human can to be able to um you know maneuver and to think uh like like a normal human, then this is the right decision for him and if he sees it that way, then really and truly so be it It's the same thing that i i thought of i, I thought about with andrew luck and his in his retirement uh and him announcing it and, and it just se- it seemed like the proper time for for um for Andrew Luck simply for the fact that he was about to go through another uh round of rehab and and in his uh rehabilitation efforts it's uh it, you know it, it is noted that that was something that um definitely needed to be considered and, and Andrew Luck I know he's married I'm not sure about Luke Kegley and his and his uh relationship Uh, status or you know if he if he does in fact have have a family of his own but i'm sure with that you know with that being said if he has one or not i think that he wants to be around for a very long time and i and i the, the question then becomes you know something like this is it bad for the game yes and no but more more so no and and I, I I have a hard time you know, saying yes to that. Is it going to be bad? Like yes, it's going to be bad in the moment. It's going to be bad because of these these players that are, are star players, captains on these teams, and, and um and these these players that have been uh, marketed and um fans of of these teams. They they look at these uh, players in the roster, uh, and, and even for a guy like Luke Kuechly, who is always in. On, at the top of his uh, game, and, and at the top of every single list uh, on defense, as far as either being a captain or a linebacker, um, either one, or both. And it's bad in in part because it's it's sudden and it's sad uh, to see it happen when, in the moment when it when it happens. But and then on on the uh, upturn, really, I don't think it's all that bad. Yeah, again, back to the yes, it, it is because it's a star player. But uh, two things: one, it opens up for the next guy to uh, to get the position to uh, prove his worth, the one that has worked hard to get there, finally having an opportunity. And you know, this is this is something else too that Luke keekley he leaves behind a salary cap um, opening that is close to about you know twelve million dollars. That that's a lot for for a, a team like the Carolina Panthers who are at a, in a rebuilding phase. That that kind of gives them leeway into next season as far as what they can do if they can spend money in the off season, how many free agents that they can be able to um, that they can be able to obtain, and then just move forward with that uh, and with the game plan that I'm sure that Matt Rule already has in place. But nonetheless. Um, it's it's good because it's the the cycle the cycle continues, and and it and it's good because these players they have a a sense to determine their own fate to choose their own destiny and that's exactly what Luke Keekley did he recognized a problem and I I he I call it that he removed himself from the equation. Um and being from being in the NFL to now he's going to just just go home and chill. I think that he I I don't know. I probably see him still, you know, being a spokesman for um uh for a, a, that security company, uh CPI or even getting hired on to possibly be a a, a TV analyst and, and a, the the color commentator for uh ESPN uh, a different broadcast of the sort any anything like that because the sky is the limit again the sky is the limit for him and it it's something it's something worth noting uh his talent and his ability that it it really should it should not go unnoticed uh time is 6:55 now it is 6:56 uh right now uh a few more minutes until the top of the hour and uh we'll we'll flip it over to hour number 2 continuing to talk sports here uh, across uh, all the levels uh, of football, uh, you know, college and NFL, uh, maybe even talks of college basketball and uh, continuing to, to dive into these uh, different topics and, and discussions that have happened in the world of sports uh, over the past day. And if you want to be a part of that conversation, uh, feel free to join us, 323-784-9681. Hopefully Richie will, will join in, uh, in in hour number two. Uh, and uh, as uh, today, very special day for him. Uh today's his birthday, as a matter of fact. So uh it, it, Richie, if you're listening right now, I do want to wish you uh, a very, very happy birthday uh, over the air. And uh and, and I'll say it to you again if you're uh happening to to join me later on in the in the broadcast. But yeah, to recap hour number one real quick and, and uh uh the transition into hour number two later, we got into uh Clemson Clemson fans, you should really have nothing to uh, uh, to pout about now. I, I know that for me, because uh, on Monday, you lose the national championship. I understand it, it is a heartbreak. But on Tuesday, last night, you watched a uh, Duke Blue Devils team, number three in the country, uh, lose to uh, your Tigers of Clemson in, in Little John Coliseum there, just uh, footsteps away from, uh, from Death Valley uh, there in, in Clemson uh a lot of these uh, players that are are going to be leaving to uh go into the NFL draft uh two of them uh two of them from uh two of them from LSU, one from uh, Clemson and the the LSU OBJ um cashgate if you if you want to call it that got into that uh, as well and then uh, just finished uh, talking about the Luke Kegley situation and uh, what's going on at, at Carolina for the Panthers and really kind of what's next if you want to um, you want to dive into that. So, again, a, a lot that is still left to be uh, unpacked in this show. And if you want to be a part of this show, uh, why don't you go ahead and be our guest? Give us a call here. The number is 323-784-9681. Again, 323-784-9681. Nine six eight one. If you want to reach out to us on uh, Twitter at So Sports Central, uh, feel free to do so. This is a lot of, um, you know, again, a lot of the uh, the good, a lot of the good conversation. Again, still to be had that we're still having here, um, and you know, again, the, just a, a lot to uh, continue to to dissect as um, uh, hour number two is going to be coming up next. So don't go anywhere. This is Southern Sports. Southern Sports Central on Blog Talk Radio.
2: My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the tent farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed,
1: I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed, I called the farm.
0: I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the Tent Farm wanna help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed,
2: call the farm.
1: And welcome back in here, ladies and gentlemen. Hour number two is coming right at you on this Wednesday evening, the uh, 6 o'clock p.m. show of Southern Sports Central. Right now it is 7 o'clock uh, as we are continuing to roll on here for uh, this, uh, the, this, again, the change if you're not used to it um, already. This is, uh, again, a great, uh, a great time for a lot of the, the listeners now. Uh, You know, the morning drive is uh, very strenuous, I'm sure, uh, for a lot of our listeners, uh, trying to get the kids out of the house, getting the lunches made and getting everything ready to uh, just attack the day uh, because that's what you have to do. But uh, before we dive into hour number two, I do want to uh, give a huge uh, shout out and a huge thank you to all of our sponsors here at Southern Sports Central. Uh, The newest member is the the Fan Zone. Uh, And you can find the fan zone at uh, 5070 International Boulevard across from the North Charleston Coliseum. I know that I gave them a shout-out a couple of shows ago, and uh, and I had the card in front of me and being able to read this. But uh, the the name of the the North Charleston Coliseum, it it just escaped me. Um, And and I was trying to – like, I don't know. I was stammering for about 10 seconds trying to find the word, and and finally I did. Um, But it is at the McCall Center on uh, International Boulevard, suites 106 and 107. Uh, You can find the fan zone over there, or uh, if you can't be able to make it into uh, the suites there uh, at 5070 at the McCall Center, if you can't go to the fan zone in person, you can visit them online at www.thefanzoneshop.com, or you can be able to email them uh, any inquiries at thefanzone at ymail.com, uh, and then uh, the, the the guy that you want to get in contact with is uh, Luke Floyd or Luke Flood, I think. I'm sure that Richie's going to correct me on that uh, or not. It may be from somebody else. But the Fan Zone, check them out there in North Charleston uh, at the McCall Center. 5070 International Boulevard, suites 106 and 107. Also, a huge thank you to uh, Garen's Pharmacy there in uh, downtown Somerville, uh, a corner staple, uh, if you will. Before there was Walgreens, I, I think that there was a Garen's, Uh and Garen's has uh, still the old uh drugstore feel. Uh, you know, they still serve the the ice cream over there. Um and, and a great place to go to and uh, and to, to hang out and spend time. Uh they're in downtown, just uh, just right next to Hutchinson Square, um at the corner of um of Richardson and Maine. Uh let's see. Also Matt's Burgers. Matsburgers, they uh, they sponsor the phone lines, and thank you to them uh, for being a, a huge sponsor, one of the one of the sponsors, I've, I think, from day one. Uh, and what they've what they've been able to do for us, uh, thank you so much. And so, transitioning into hour number two, if you want to call in to the Matsburgers hotlines, you can be our guest three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. As we are continuing this conversation here. Uh, across uh, anything anything sports anything that is uh um, new and exciting in, in the world of sports uh and and what's going on so um to kind of put things into perspective now there there were the games that happened uh the games that happened on Sunday uh Sunday night that uh, that were you know again a huge weekend of football that happened and i, I quite frankly do not believe that we got into uh, the NFL as much as we did, and if we did, then uh, allow me to do that as we we'll, we will get into it now. Uh, this was the divisional round of of games. We had the Vikings at the 49ers, uh, Titans at the Ravens, uh, Texans at the Chiefs, and then the Seahawks at Green Bay. Um, starting with the first one, you know, the this one kind of wasn't a surprise. Uh, the 49ers beat the Vikings uh, 27 to 10. Uh, this was going to be it, it, who is going to be in control. Uh, of the ball for the most part. And if, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo continuing to do what he does, uh, really and truly could Dalvin Cook be be a game changer uh, in, in this game. But uh, San Francisco's defense, I think, was just too much. Only nine carries for 18 yards in that game. Uh, Kirk Cousins, he, he was very consistent, uh, 21 of 29 uh, with 172 yards and a touchdown and only one pick. But uh, then again, that, that was not enough. Uh, for them to get over the hump and uh, be able to win that game uh, handily uh, against a a team in San Francisco that has just been uh, very dominant all season, number one in the um, in the NFC, and uh, they they still have home field advantage all throughout uh, all throughout the playoffs uh, still. And Jimmy Garoppolo again, he he was 11 of 19. Uh, for 131 yards Uh, he had only again he had only a touchdown and one interception but uh, it was really uh, Tevin Coleman who had the biggest game-changing performance for San Francisco 22 carries 105 yards uh, and two touchdowns there Uh, and then uh, Kendrick Bourne for San Francisco as well Uh, three catches for uh, 40 yards and a touchdown there San uh, Francisco was very consistent on on their side of things uh, uh you know hoisting 21 first downs and then 5 of 12 on third down uh had one attempt at a fourth down uh conversion but was unable uh that was unsuccessful but it it was really the balance – it was the imbalance of the rushing game uh for Minnesota that had the, had the it had the ability to get out of hand worse than it was uh for total yards it was 308 compared to 147 that uh Minnesota had but San Francisco was able to run all over them as well as pass you know the the running game was in fact better uh than the passing game for San Francisco in that moment uh because again that was 105 yards uh for for them and and, and being able to do to be able to do all of that was just uh it was just great uh, for San Francisco to to be able to do that, and they they have they have such a healthy balance too uh, for their players. Uh, uh, Raheem Mozart, again, he he had a quite a day for 12 rushes, uh, 58 yards, and uh, his longest was was 10 yards. But um, you know a, a good effective balance, and then Debo Samuel again, uh, number 19 over there, 8 of 17, uh, and his longest rush was a six yard carry uh, up the middle, and and again just uh, a great balance. Uh, of, uh, of them to be able to do what they needed to do. Uh, and then this one was the surprise to everyone, Tennessee rolling over, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, in the divisional round twenty eight to 12. Uh, this one was, uh, this one was a very, uh, very strange game, uh, as a matter of fact, because everybody was expecting the Ravens to, to win this game, to, to just, uh, to do what they needed to do and, and to be able to win. Uh, but it was all Derek Henry. There are 30 carries for 195 yards. Uh, he did not have a touchdown, but but man, did he uh, did he have the did he have the ability to to do what he needed to do? Uh, Ryan Tannehill he was only seven of 14, but it was enough 88 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, a better quarterback rating than than Lamar Jackson, who quite frankly he was 31 of 59, 365 yards, one touchdown and two picks. And for the guy who is probably the unanimous MVP uh and in Lamar Jackson this was this was something that was quite strange uh even to me and even though that they had uh, possession for 32 minutes and and more than uh the Tennessee Titans did it was still a very uh lopsided game uh in fact for the AFC um champions of the regular season uh, I do believe that this is Richie Altman and uh, I want to say to you happy birthday my friend and um <laughs> just a good a good evening to you from from wherever you are um and uh I I'm glad that you could be able to tune in on your birthday.
3: Well, I um I, I tell you uh things are great. I uh, had, uh, had a had a dinner here this evening which I appreciate you uh taking over and uh handling business as you did. And uh, just really, uh, it's been a good day, man. You know, had a lot going on uh, throughout the day. We've gotten a lot of birthday wishes thanks to social media. Uh, so I want to, on the air, say thank you very much. Uh, 42, never felt so good. And I tell you what, uh, you know, uh, that number 42 means a lot to those in baseball, as you probably would know as well. So, uh, you know, it's just another year for some. But I'm a guy that loves celebrating uh, my birthday, I love him celebrating. Uh, making it through another year, I don't really kind of set my goals through the calendar year. I do it towards my actually birth year. But with that being said, uh, just excited, uh, real excited about uh, you know this upcoming year, uh, what we're going to do with Southern Sports Central. But uh, yeah, it's been a long day, but it's been a good one.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, Richie, there the was quite of a loaded uh, show in the top of the in the top of the show, uh, talking about uh, LSU and the the OBJ Cashgate. Uh, and then there was uh, the, the players that uh, are from LSU and from Clemson that are declaring for the draft. Uh, those that are um, the, the news most shocking, I think, to everyone, including me was the announcement from uh, Luke Keekley last night and, and his, uh, his decision to retire at the age of 28 uh, before he turns 29 uh, sometime in April. And so I kind of want to start there. And uh, since, you know, since you are the host there, um, you know, what is it that you really want to start out with, and we can just uh, go from there?
3: Well, there's, I mean, there's a couple of things. Number one, uh, you know, I just saw this going through social media. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, uh, his father, actually just passed, uh, I guess, within uh, a few hours ago. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, that's breaking news. Of course, he was a big-time wrestler back in the day, uh, which ended up leading Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, into wrestling as well. Uh, so the heavy hearts, I know, are, are with a lot of his followers and, and fans, of course, and the family there with the Johnsons. But, uh, you know, that's one thing. And then, you know, uh, yeah, Luke Keekley, eight years in, doing what he did, he is a huge part of that defense over there at, uh, at Carolina. But, uh, you know what, safety, man. I think this young man has had a lot of uh, – Man, he's had a lot. He's had a lot going through, man, and I think he's dealt with a lot of injuries. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's hard to walk away from doing something that you love to do. But when it's all said and done, you got to do what's right. And, um, you know, uh, my 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 hats off to him for knowing when to say when. But uh, a lot of changes coming. You wonder if this is it. You know, you wonder if this is if this is the uh, if this is the last guy that's gonna walk away from the game over in uh, in Charlotte. But. You know, they're going to be building a lot of things. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they're going to have to do it without Luke Keekley around. And he's not only a great guy on the field, he's a heck of an ambassador for the state of North and South Carolina, with it being the Carolina Panthers off the field. Uh, as you see the commercials, the way he does in the, uh, of course, in the community. But, uh, yeah, that was really shocking. And I think that came about 30 minutes after we got off the air last night.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Live right now with uh, the birthday boy, Richie Altman. Yeah, Luke Keekley announcing... Uh, his uh, retirement after eight seasons, a- and he's, again, 28 years old. He only missed uh, – he- he's missed 10 games, but it was due to concussions throughout his career, um, and he did not explicitly state, you know, head injuries uh, really contributing to his uh, unexpected decision to walk away from the NFL. And, and uh, I definitely quoted him earlier in the broadcast and saying that there's only one way to play this game since I was a little kid. Play fast, play physical, play strong uh and this was a video that he uh uh that he made and it was posted by the team uh yesterday in fact it was at uh time stamped at 8:31 uh p.m. He says at this point I don't know if I am able to do that anymore uh and that's the part that is most difficult. I I still want to play but I don't think it's the right decision.
3: Yeah, I mean he's got to put his health first and you know that's got to be a hard thing to do to walk away from something that you love to do. I know he makes a, a lot of money and it's, it's a lot bigger than that. To so there's a lot of people like him that, that, that has a, a deeper, I would say motivation to do what he does every single day, day in and day out. And again, this is the job that's a 24 seven job. This is the guy's, they get up early, they stay up late, they travel a lot, their bodies take a beat, and even though he's a defensive guy in the linebacker position, he that, that, that collision, as I say, this is a collision sport, that collision between him and whoever's got the ball or whoever's blocking him, man, they're coming at full contact. And, you know, we talk a lot about their head injuries, but there's a lot of other body parts that are taking beating and bruising and, and, and things like that throughout his time. So, you know, I do say congratulations for knowing when to say when, when to walk away Because, again, you don't want this to be something that 10 years down the road he stayed in too long and his body never got over it, and he didn't enjoy life after football. So, you know, that's what you're seeing now. And I don't think this is uh, something that you're not going to see in the future with a lot of athletes because I believe there was another gentleman. uh, I'm trying to think who it was. I saw this today earlier that's actually stepping down and going to retire as well, that you're not seeing longevity like you used to see in the NFL. These guys, A lot of these guys are walking away a lot earlier.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, and so it prompted the question uh, of bringing it up again. Uh, I know that it was uh, brought up when Andrew Luck, uh, he announced his retirement back in August. And now it's it's February, an entire six months later, an entire NFL season. That is uh, a, a season before it began. Andrew Luck made his decision now that it's about two weeks away. Uh, and we're still going through uh, the motions of the playoffs and the Super Bowl has yet to uh, transpire. But at this decision from Luke Kuechly, both of these guys are, are, you know, before the age of 30. I think Andrew Luck probably turned 30 uh, sometime throughout the season. But, you know, you take a look at this and it prompts the question again. And I asked it uh, earlier in the show, you know, does this really uh, – is this prompting a change so much that this is uh, kind of the norm now for these players uh, who I would say are stars or are stars in their own right uh, to walk away from the sport before they turn the age of 30?
3: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing again, these guys are bigger, they're faster. They're, they're, they're getting things of course across the board It's just it's 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 happening all the way in the college ranks. It's happening in high school. These guys are just they're a lot bigger than they used to be. You're seeing that in a lot of sports, but football for sure. I mean, you look at Jadavion Clowney coming out, who deals with these injuries day in and day out. He played in the game, if nothing else, to play decoy to somebody else, to play in a situation, to to take away. And I said somebody else, but to take away from the. the guy on the other side so that they have to double him up. That frees up somebody on the other side, and that's a sacrifice because he's been hurt. Jadavion's been hurt since he's been at South Carolina towards his junior year, which I believe is one of the main reasons he also left early because he knew that his body was breaking down. And I think that's the word that we're going to start hearing more. Bodies breaking down. Collisions are happening. Remember in the national championship, it was a clean hit. Clemson fans didn't like it. But that defensive back coming into uh, the receiver there for Clemson in the back, those are the type of hits, man. Those are season-ending hits that are, unfortunately for some, they're they're a clean hit. That's part of the game. But those are the hits week after week and day after day and play after play that's going to cause these guys to not be able to play this game as long as they used
2: to.
1: Yeah, and if this is going to become the new norm as well, um, I, like, I, I think that, again, with a, a Luke Kuechly and, and Andrew Luck, they are really anomalies in, in this light because like, I, don't, I don't think that this is so much a trend as it is a, a decision. And, and this is a decision that um, you know, both of these players have made. And it, I, I, I throw Andrew Luck into this because um, you know, th- this was a surprise decision. He was the star of his team. He was the captain. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was the captain on Twitter, always writing back home to mom uh in, in each and every one of his uh, uh tweets that you saw uh and and he, he finally wrote one home uh back in August saying that he mama he's coming home but uh, you know that that was Andrew Luck because there were so many injuries that he had to battle there there was so much more adversity uh, so much more adversity than just the game itself uh that he had to uh contend with and, and it was the injuries the rehab he was going to have to go through that again and that's why he made that's why he made the decision uh that he did what he did um, and, and then turn around last night, Luke Keeley, this was a surprise to, I think, everybody uh, who, who had no idea that this was coming. And for, for a guy who has built a, a career the way that he did um, and, and to have the ability to walk away, like, he, again, he made this decision for, for the longevity of his health and for uh, his family, either either the one that he, that he has now or the one that is to come. I, I mean, this is something, and and it's quite quite honestly, it could be a possibility that he he goes on and wants to do uh, he wants to do other ventures because I I know that uh, certain athletes who are are who are determined um, athletes that they that they walk away from from college with with so much more. I mean, Andrew Luck, he graduated from Stanford, and, and he's got a degree in in uh, in construction uh, of some sort, construction design. I I I have it somewhere. Uh, in my notes from from past. But uh, anyways, he has that that he can fall back on and and make a uh, career out of uh, possibly for the rest of his life until he is of of retirement age. But, you know, with all that considered, he also has about $105 million uh, to work with as well. Keekly has about $64 million in the eight years that he has played uh, in the NFL. And uh, not to mention he's leaving behind about uh, about eleven and a half, close to twelve million in in that cap space uh, for for the Carolina Panthers to to work with for next year uh, in this uh, what is a rebuilding phase for for this team for this franchise. But in talking about that, you know, again they make the decision for themselves. Um, but there there really isn't there really shouldn't be a, a thing saying that they that they should have stayed because uh, if that's if that was the decision that they made. And that they were, you know, willingly able, you know, to um, what I guess you can say that they are willingly able to to walk away, literally be able to walk away from the game. I think that that is a blessing, uh, blessing in and of itself for them uh, to be able to do that. And so, you know, with all that being, with all that being said, and hopefully Richie uh, joins back here in just a minute. But um, you know, again, with all that being said, and I I definitely do want to get his opinion on that uh some some time up and coming but uh again all all that being said it is it is it is what it is their their uh their ability to uh to do this um and do this on their own terms i i think it speaks volumes it doesn't really set a precedent because i if if the only precedent that this is going to set um for this like for this uh trend if you will i i think that the only precedent that it's going to set is that hey NFL players who are at this crossroads that are thinking about retiring like is this a game that you still want to play is this game still fun uh, to you to continue to play is there something that you are still uh, chasing after is this is it something that um, is this going to be the best decision for you in the long run and I think that like for Luke Keekley and Andrew Luck and I'm specifically speaking about them because they have they have had injuries. They have had um, the, the, these things that have uh, hindered them from, from the sidelines uh, or, or kept them on the sidelines for, uh, for a few games of their career, for much of their career in, in Andrew Luck's case. But all of that being said, their ability to say that they are finished and that they are like literally physically able to walk away from the game of football I think that that is the the precedent that they're going to set. Not that players are going to leave by the age of 30, but that if you are a player, is this like is this game still fun to you? And if so, or or if it's not, then what is your next option?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think what these guys have got to do is look, they have financially will continue to to reap a lot of things even after their days of playing in the NFL. They will get offers. Luke Heekley will be sitting in the studio somewhere in an NFL setting to where he's able to break down the defensive sides of things. He's played this game for a long time. He understands this game as well as anybody. He's a people person. He's the kind of guy that you could imagine sitting in the, in the studio with a suit and tie on and really, I'd say, becoming an asset to now TV land. I would also consider possibly hearing him on a radio somewhere. I mean, again, He's going to have other opportunities outside of the physical game of football, but I think you're going to see, and it's not the first nor will it be the last time that you see NFL players finding homes within the system, just not in the system of actually the game of football. So that's kind of what you're going to see going forward. Guys like him, it's an eight to 10 to 12 years of football. I just don't see football being so long as you're seeing. And even the quarterback over there, With the Patriots right now, Brady's kind of on weird time, right? I mean, this guy's been in the NFL for a long time. Brett Favre did it for a long time. But, again, these guys, you know, like him, aren't staying in the league as long as they used to. And, unfortunately, some of these names aren't become long-term household names but will, of course, you know, have an effect in different ways in the sports.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh live right now with Richie Altman and uh I'm so I'm so thankful that you can be able to join uh, cuz th- this is uh something that ESPN just put out uh not too long ago uh talking about um talking about Luke Keekley uh you know one one name that should be mentioned uh in, in this conversation uh I, I think that uh um was someone that gave some uh, words of of encouragement or words of um I guess words of affirmation in this in this light. Uh but uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, somebody, that, that you know, uh, that, uh, somebody that you know personally, somebody that you hold very near and dear to your heart, um, uh, he felt relief. Now, as uh, most of us know in the NASCAR realm, if, you, if, you're, not, um, if you're not totally in on it, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., he retired from the sport that he loved at the age of 42, even though NASCAR's most popular driver believed he had a few good, good years left in him. This was back in 2017. He retired after more than a dozen concussions saying the decision came down to wanting, quote, the opportunity to go out on my own terms. That's what Dale Hart Jr. said. And Keekley again, suffered uh, three reported concussions since 2015. And while he didn't mention concussions or his health as a reason for retiring, Luke uh, Keekley he expressed his doubt that he could, uh, quote, play fast and play physical and play strong anymore. Now, uh, Dalen Earnhardt Jr., he, he told uh, reporters on Wednesday, uh, today at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, that when you get in those types of situations, this is a quote from Dale Jr. Uh, when you get in those types of situations that he was in, you have to make some difficult choices, and I think he made the right one. I I feel like that a lot of people can learn from that. I think he set an amazing example for a, for a lot of young folks to follow.
3: Yeah, I, I think so as well. I, I think when you look at Dale Jr. So let's back up with Dale Jr. Who watched, uh, you know, literally replay after replay after replay of his father who was tragically killed down there in Daytona. And, and for me, you, you know, he had, that was, that was a big deal uh, you could only imagine. And, and now you look at the other side of things. He actually had multiple inju- uh, wrecks after that. One of those where he felt like his father had pulled him out of a race car. Uh, you, you know, these guys, when they're having these moments, just like Luke Kuechly, I'm sure he feels in his heart that he could probably go a few more years But at what rate? Is he going to do it for himself or is he going to do it for his fan base or is he going to do it for his pocketbook or or, or his bank account or whatever it may be? And that's where you have to become a a really down-to-earth, realistic individual and say, look, long-term, where am I going to be? Is it going to benefit me more in two years or is it going to help or hurt me uh, more in two years if I stay within the system here? So. For me, I, you know, there's many ways, and, and when Luke Heekley came out last night about 8.30, 45, I was surprised by the timing of it, but I wasn't surprised that he walked away from the game. Because, again, there are those guys who are having these, these, these injuries and they're dealing with certain things. I mean, look at Junior Seau. This gentleman gave everything he had to the game of football, and when it was overset and done with, he didn't know what else to do. And if I'm not mistaken, he ended up taking his own life. That's the kind of stuff that that you have to think about. These guys are taking head injuries and collisions and things that that are, again, it's great for us to watch it in the game. But after the game, they're home alone. After the game, their spouses and their families are having to remind them where they put their car keys. You know, there's a lot more to it long term than just it being a game. It's a lot bigger than a game. That's what I'm telling you. And, And at the end of the day, you know, my hat goes off to Luke Keekly. You will see him probably still sitting in Charlotte. I would imagine you'll see him be a huge part of uh, the media relations team of some sort. And they may give him a job internally there. Why not? I mean, he'd be a great asset uh, in the office.
1: And no doubt about that. And I mean, you know, if, if Luke Keekley was to go into the media um, you know, that's kind of following the same path that that Dale jr. Has uh, and he's still close to the sport that he loves. Uh, And, and I think quite frankly, that's, that's what a lot of uh, players do is uh, somehow they wind up in coaching or, or that uh, uh, you know, I think that with t- tying in NASCAR that a lot of those drivers uh that they end up going into uh some some other professional role uh, within the organization like I know that uh Jeff Gordon with with Hendrick Motorsports for example he's very uh still heavily uh internally involved in in a lot of the operations that happen there but um you know back back again to the decision that Luke Keekley made you know Dale Earnhardt he um, at his retirement announcement, he, he said that he realized after missing so many races in 2016, uh, that his career could have ended quote, without me having a vote at the table. That, that's what Dale junior said. And, uh, and again, what, uh, he said about Keighley, I'm, I'm sure that he would have loved to play longer. Um, but he's made some amazing, great choices for himself and for, uh, his family and his future. And he feels strongly about that decision. All you can do is support that. You have to want to, uh, support the decision. And so, uh, something else that he said too especially when you see what Luke's doing and making the choices he's making it's obvious that we're all a lot better off uh, because of what we've learned as a society over the last decade uh, it's it's good for our competitors today no matter what sport you're playing it's great for our veterans um, and guys who have who have retired because the science um, behind uh, behind behind CTE and concussion um, and uh, recognition and all that it, it's just improving for everybody to Diagnose and treat even years and decades after your playing days. You can still improve your quality of life, uh, and that makes me really, really happy. Talking about uh, Earnhardt's hopes um, that uh, Keekley's decision to retire early is going to uh, influence others. Uh, no matter what uh, side of the ball that you're on, uh, even if you, if you, even if you do have a ball, and that's a uh, uh, you can be behind a steering wheel like uh, Dale Jr. was, but um, to leave on your own terms i think that that is the the moral to this story um of keekley retiring early and uh the support that you know dale Hart jr is one of many i'm sure uh in, in the um in the realm of sports that supports this decision uh for Keekley
3: yeah i mean and you got to remember now charlotte north carolina is a hub basically the hometown of, of nascar if you will just north of there is where most of those guys are living now up there on the lake. And so I'm sure they've got a great relationship. I would imagine, and I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Keekly didn't reach out to Dale Earnhardt Jr. And say, look, man, I'm having some issues here. You're outside looking in, but you've dealt with this on the inside of just a sport in general. What's your thought process? And I'm sure he also reached out to other former NFL players who have jumped out of the league because of head injuries. And if you notice, this is something that this is what they're trying to do. This is where a lot of the targeting rules and things like that, where it's protecting the offensive of guys. But I think we kind of overlooked that impact is a two-sided impact. It's the guy getting hit. Well, what about the guy giving the hit? I mean, again, I've watched, even if you look at him, uh, the running back that was over there at Seattle, he, you know, Marshawn Lynch, man, this guy runs through you. You think you're going to hit him, but he says, wait a minute, I'm going to hit you and he runs them over. So, you imagine those guys that are taking hits and you see this more and more, even all the way down to the, to the little leagues of football, to the, to the NFL, you know, leagues as well, but safety, safety, safety never is an old conversation on any network, on any game at any time. And I, again, I can't say it enough. I know it had to be hard for him to decide last night or yesterday afternoon or whenever him and his family decided that today was that day that he was going to walk away. But Uh, You know, I I hope and pray that that this is something that he's able to go through day to day. I would imagine there's going to be some struggles. You know, you can imagine this is something this young man has done probably since he was about five, six years old. And here he is now, what, in in his 20s, if I'm not mistaken. He's going to walk away from the game. This is something he's done for a long time. It's not maybe early 30s, but he's done this for a long time. This is all he knows. This is all he does. This is his career that he's walking away from, which some would say way too early.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh with that being said, I I think that that's a good note to end on uh for this for this topic here in the conversation. Um hopefully you're going to stick around uh real quick. Yep. We're going to take a quick time out here. Yeah, go ahead.
3: No, i am just said I'm here. I'm I'm good with you to the rest of the show, buddy.
1: All right, sounds good. All right. With that being said, we're going to th- take a quick time out here. You're listening to Southern Sports Central on Block Talk Radio. We will be right back. You can be the greatest,
0: you can be the best, you can be the king, calm, banging on your chest. You can beat the world, you can beat the war. You can stop the guy, go banging on his door. You can throw your hair up, you can beat the clock, you can move a mountain, you can break rocks. You can be a master, don't wait for luck. Dedicate yourself and you can find yourself. The world for the old, babe. You can know the distance, you can run the mile, you can walk straight through hell with a smile. You can be the hero, you can get go breaking all the stick but never to be broad. Do it for your people, do it for your pride. Never gonna know, never even try. Do it for your country, do it for your name. But there's gonna be a day when you're getting in the off space. your name. Cause it's with the and the world will know your name. You Just me, too. me
1: everybody time is seven thirty-five in the evening and thank you for listening to southern sports central right here on block talk radio uh again want to thank all of our sponsors Garrett's pharmacy the fan zone uh matt's burgers uh for sponsoring the hotlines and, and all of that uh you know it, it's pretty great uh to be able to uh be a part of this uh, uh southern Sports central uh, uh this uh this family here uh and, and the aspect of uh of continuing to uplift the athlete uh and, and of course we're we're talking about all these uh different topics from across uh, the the n f l and uh and and things that are going on right now that uh that are you know kind of uh because college football and and high school football the the two major sports that we cover are out of season and so uh, again just again very thankful for uh the ability to be able to do all of these things um in and here and so uh with with that being said, my name is will porter uh joined right now with uh richie alman he he's on location uh the birthday the birthday boy uh celebrating a big forty two and so uh and rightfully so uh man you you absolutely deserve it uh, a night on the town and uh and and being able to uh you know continue to do what continue to do what you've been doing um and, and to uh uh bring you know smiles to the faces of uh of the all the young athletes around uh and a chance for them to uh, get their voices on the radio uh and, and getting the guests in here and all those things and the tireless work of, of southern sports central. I, I personally have to acknowledge it could not be uh, done without you. So for that, I, I do say, uh, along along with so many uh, other people who are, are part of this uh, and listen to the show, thank you.
3: Man, I appreciate the love, and and, and again, guys, uh, you know, you know, here's the thing, and 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 for all those who say you can't, let me tell you a thousand reasons why you can, and whether you do it your way or or another way, get it done. And, and here's been the interesting thing today for me. Will, of course, I'm excited to have you here on the show with us and part of our family. But, you know, I've gotten all different individuals from beat writers, from head coaches, from uh, you would be surprised, people that have sent me, inboxed me messages saying happy birthday. And it's all because of Southern Sports Central's connection that I have with these guys. Chuck Reedy, of course, you know, he he was a former coach at Baylor, former coach at Clemson, former coach at Goose Creek, owns uh, uh, you know the Wayback Shack over there in uh, in North Charleston, Uh, And and when you start to think, uh, the comeback shot, excuse me, when you start to think of guys that are reaching out to you individually and and the coaches, the players, the former players, the former coaches, and beat writers, as I mentioned, all the way a coach in San Diego, California, reaches out to you and says, man, I hope you're having a great day. You know, it it does make your day a little bit better. It it makes your day just say, you know what, this is a good day, you know. And uh, I I can't say it enough uh, how much my dream, has connected me with so many great individuals and and getting a chance to do what I love. And I get it. I've had to move it around a little bit. We've gone through adversity. We've gone through challenges. But a lot of character has been built in all of those days. And, again, without, you know, the listeners, as you mentioned, our supporters and our sponsors, this stuff doesn't happen. And it does a lot of work for what we do day in and day out. You know, we don't just hit the green button and go live. Uh, There's a lot of preparation that comes into this. There's a lot of communication that goes into this and a lot of sacrifice away from family and friends and loved ones uh, so that we can bring you guys two, sometimes three hours of uh, of entertainment.
1: Yeah, and so, again, with that being said, thank you. Um, there, there are still a lot of uh, topics, really, in the uh, college football conversation, uh, especially that of um, uh, the coaching carousel that, that is still going on. Of course, we know uh, from yesterday that uh, uh, Joe Brady – Uh, He is going to be uh, leaving LSU and he's going to join the Panther staff as the offensive coordinator there. He's, uh, he's seeking a job back uh, in the NFL, which I think is something that he uh, he has been looking to uh, to do all along or or getting an offensive coordinator job. uh, And and that's the one that he wants. And and we, we've kind of discussed that, but really, and truly uh, there's a lot, there's a lot more to dive into. Uh, The biggest one I think is uh, the report that came out yesterday um, that Baylor, they are targeting Virginia, tech, uh, Virginia Tech's um, coach, Justin Fuente, uh, uh, to replace Matt Rule, uh, and this is, um, and uh, they are looking for him to become the Tech coach, uh, and they plan to interview him by uh, Wednesday. Th- these are uh, sources uh, that have reported to Yahoo Sports' uh, Pete Thamel. Now, he's reportedly considering the leading candidate for the job, and it, we all know that it became, it became vacant when Matt Rule jumped into the NFL. Uh, he's coming off his fourth season at Virginia Tech where he compiled a 33 and 20 record. He came to the Hokies on the heels of a pair of strong campaign in Memphis uh, and the bears will open their 2020 schedule against Ole Miss, which will also feature a new head coach in, in lane Kippen. So with, with this report coming out um, and you know, Baylor is targeting this guy uh, to be the, the face of the program uh, for, for the next few years, um, do you think that this is a good move for Baylor to uh, go in this direction?
3: You know, I don't think Baylor saw this coming. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But you know, I think right now, what they're doing and, and, and the angles that they're trying to go about is is, is trying to stop something uh, that that may start getting out of control. Because right now, think about it. This is a really tough time to lose a head coach. I mean, national signing days now only three, four, maybe what three weeks away. Now you have to basically find somebody that's going to have as much clout as this guy that's been recruiting this young man to Baylor or to some of these other universities that, uh, you know, now are are looking for a head coach And, and for Baylor individually they don't just go against one or two. They go after multiple Big 12. Now SEC, thanks to the A&M school that's over there in that state, in recruiting battles. Because what what would you do? If you're a guy, you were looking at Baylor, you liked the coaching staff over there, you really liked everything they had to offer, but, oh, what? He's gone. Well, guess who's over there? Jimbo Fisher says, well, don't worry about it. I'm not going anywhere. I came here to retire here. This is where you should go. Or look at Texas. Longhorns, saying, look, we're rebuilding. We're not there yet, but if you come here, You're that missing link that we'll be able to take it to the next level and we will finally say we arrived. And, of course, Oklahoma is on the other side of that line as well. So, you know, timing for Baylor couldn't have been any worse. I don't blame the coach for chasing his dreams. I don't blame the guy for going out and doing what he did. He's no different than than a football player that leaves the program early. It's just part of the business. It's part of the process. And, unfortunately, for Baylor, now they have to pick up the pieces, and now it's who's next. And there's not a really big hire really out there right now that's looking to move.
1: And this is something interesting, too. You know, if Fuente does, in, in fact, bounce back to Waco, Texas, or he bounces to Waco, um, this was noted by Marty Smith. Babcock should hire Shane Beamer. Now, is ready. He lived Nick Saban's process under Kirby Smart at Georgia. Is currently uh, setting stat sheets ablaze under Lincoln, Riley, and Norman. He grew up in Blacksburg, Blacksburg and played at Virginia Tech. And his name is Beamer. So talking it from the other side, that if Virginia Tech does in fact lose their head coach and they're going to be in the process of trying to find another, uh, would that be an effective hire for them uh, to, to nab Shane Beamer from Oklahoma?
3: Shane Beamer is a perfect candidate. Shane Beamer spent time at Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. He spent time at South Carolina, spent time at Virginia Tech. He's at Oklahoma. This guy is the real deal. He is, of course, the son of Frank Beamer, who he he just grew up living, loving, and eating, sleeping, and doing everything with football. He is a stand-up guy, and I'm going to be honest with you, I would endorse that hire 1,000%, whether he gets hired at Baylor, he gets hired at Virginia Tech, he gets hired at South Carolina. He is one of the great recruiting coordinators in the country that I think is kind of under the radar. We talk about Davo Sweeney and what he can do and what he has done at Clemson. Frank Beamer's son Shane can do that, give him an opportunity in a big-time program and sit back and grab some popcorn and watch him. He's going to do some big-time things. And I'll be honest with you, if I was him, I wouldn't go to Virginia Tech. No, I would try to go to Baylor. I would wait and see maybe if South Carolina is going to look for a coach here in a year or so. Or I would go somewhere outside of that realm of Virginia Tech because he's always going to be in the light of his father. And I understand that that might be a big thing to some and not some to others. But if I'm him, man, I want to go do my own thing and do it over here. And, and you see this all the time with recruits, their, their little brothers. They don't end up following suit where their brother went because they want to have their own stepping stones and make their own numbers and their own niche. But I think that's a huge, huge name that came up, and I like everything that Shane Beamer's about. That guy is a five-star dude on and off the field. And anybody who gives this guy a chance, I feel personally, would be a great hire.
1: Yeah, I, I think that this is one of those we're going to have to see how this plays out because obviously uh, nothing is confirmed. Baylor still has a, a, a vacant head coaching job. Uh, Virginia Tech still has their guy in and, in uh, and Justin Fuente, and, uh, and we'll just have to see exactly what happens. But I I think that yeah, if I were um, if I were Shane Beamer as well, I I kind of would want to uh, blaze my own path uh, in in one way, shape, or form because uh, if if it were me. Um, and and I was uh I was following under uh, my father's footsteps of being this legendary um head coach of the prestigious team of Virginia. This is a team that holds that are that very near and dear to their heart. Uh, it, it would almost be this huge expectation of like, okay, come on now, uh, if if you're at least you know three quarters a good, or we expect you to be exactly like Frank. I, I think that that would be the false expectation. Uh, placed on the shoulders of Shane if he were to come back to uh, Virginia Tech.
3: Yeah, I would agree with you. And, again, I'm not saying that he doesn't go to Georgia, Virginia Tech and doesn't doesn't do successful things, because I think he will. And I think he can definitely rejuvenate what's happening with the Hokies, because I do think they need it. The um, Hokies are not where they used to be at, and I think that's a, kind of a disappointment to the ACC, because when they got them from the Big Ten, they expected big things, and none of the teams – realistically have kind of lived up to their height. Virginia Tech probably one of the ones that has the most. But I I just think that he could really do some great things. And I would have liked to see him in South Carolina. You know, when he was at South Carolina as a recruiting coordinator, he would come to Somerville, he would come to Charleston, he would recruit the players there. And, And I remember sitting in the hallway with him, with Coach Call, the head football coach of Somerville, and we all three just kind of chewed the fat a little bit, went back and forth with some conversations and it was the way he really presented that conversation, the direction he took it, and how much love he had for each kid he talked about. He knew as a recruiting coordinator where each kid was, what they did, where their strong points were, some weak points. And he would talk a lot about a lot of kids there. And I and, and think that's something that is Dabo Sweeney's kind of, that's his thing, man. That's where Dabo gets it. He understands the player. We said his quote last night about when you love the players, you can coach them a little bit harder and you can do things a little bit more. And I think, that's the kind of style that that he would be. And, again, Shane Beamer, great hire. And that was a big pickup for Oklahoma, by the way, for him to go out there and coach uh, with the Sooners. But it, it's only time. He just needs to get in there now. I don't want to see him wait. Or you're going to see a lot like the guy that is up there who just retired, the defensive coordinator, Bud Foster. I think he waited too late because he was waiting to be the next coach up and waiting. And uh, I, I think he missed his window. So I think Shane jumps on this train pretty early. I was kind of shocked we didn't see his name down in the state of Florida with all the openings that were down there, and then there were some other openings there in Mississippi. Of course, we we know who that worked out for, and I think those were great fits. But even like an Arkansas job or somewhere in the south where I think he's got, because of Georgia, because of South Carolina, I think he can recruit this corridor extremely well. And, again, uh, you know, I I know it would be bad news for Oklahoma, Will, but it's great news for any program that can get him, and let's give him a front office and let's uh, watch him go to work.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Another one that should, like, uh, uh, one that should be noted here is uh, Joe Moorhead. He is expected to land um, the Oregon's offensive coordinator job um, as soon as later on this week or early next week, because the former Mississippi State head coach, he, again, is expected to be hired as as the offensive coordinator at Oregon um, after spending the last two seasons in the SEC, uh, 14-12 and cumulative record, and before uh, he found success as uh, an offensive coordinator at Penn State, and that was prior to his arrival in Starkville. Now, for Oregon, they began searching for an offensive coordinator after uh, their guy, Marcus Ario. He left the program to become the head coach at uh, UNLV, and Oregon boasted the nation's 40th-ranked offense in 2019. Uh, but, again, they are, they are set to lose their star quarterback uh, uh, to graduation. That is uh, Justin Herbert. So uh, if, if all this falls through, Joe Moorhead becoming – uh, Oregon's offensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on that, Richie?
3: Yeah, I guess it's it's, it's one of those things, man. You know, and, and for me, it's rushing relay when you hire a lot of these guys, even though I know I just got on the bandwagon and became, you know, the campaign manager for Shane Beamer. You know, Moorhead, what, what can he do? What would he do? I, I guess timing is, is everything right now, right? I mean, what's the program going to do with a guy like him? And, again, it's chemistry, man. I mean, we see a lot of coaches come in here. They're no different than recruiting players. Just because they're a five-star player, you expect five-star things. That doesn't happen. Sometimes you get these big-name coaches come in here, and it's the same conversation. You're expecting them to do great things, but when it's all said and done, when everything's kind of put together, it doesn't work itself out because the chemistry, the key word there, chemistry, is not right. So you'll know when you find out, I guess, after, say, a year, maybe two years, it's kind of the going rate right now, right? We saw that at Mississippi State. You know, you can't really be above 500. You got to be a little bit more than that. And I think 700 is kind of that number when it comes to winning and losing percentage.
1: Yeah, and uh this is this is going to be interesting too cuz now not only is he going to be, be kind of stepping down in a role, he's not going to be a head coach, he's going to be an offensive coordinator. It's going to be interesting to see um you know, I guess the pressure that's taking off of his shoulders and what he's going to be able to do uh for for a team in a conference that is very heavy. Uh, with the pass game and uh, and a conference that uh, right quite frankly for a team that is on up there each and every year uh, in the Oregon Ducks who, who they are you know uh, of the past 20 or so years have been historically great and uh, hopefully that that can continue to be uh, the trend. Now uh, another one. This is kind of this is kind of a downgrade. I I think or or that I so feel Bobby Petrino he named. He's been named the head coach at Missouri State. They they have hired him uh, as as their head coach. Uh, that this is according to a, a team spokesperson that, that confirmed this uh, to ESPN. He will be introduced tomorrow morning at a news conference um, at at uh, JQH Arena in Springfield, uh, Missouri. He holds a 119 and 56 career record as a head coach at three different schools. He worked for uh, Louisville back in in 2003 to 2006, and then again at uh, 2004 to 2018. He worked at Arkansas from 2008 to 2011, and at Western Kentucky in the year 2013. Uh, he posted a 36-26 and 26 record with Louisville in his second tenure at the school, and he was on the sidelines when quarterback Lamar Jackson won the Heisman Trophy. And the man's 58 years old. He had a brief campaign as the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons in 2007 but he resigned from the team amid a, a 3-10 and start to join the Razorbacks at the time. Uh, this, this coming off the heels of, um, I guess it was uh, kind of one of those uh, rocky seasons for Louisville, and, and, those, um, and those Redbirds uh, up there are, are certainly missing some, some key pieces and some key factors in their game. I, I do want to ask you, though, I mean, is this a good step in the right direction for Bobby Petrino? Because Missouri State is not a division. I, I just heard you there. Uh, Missouri State is not a Division One. Um, they're not a Division One team, and that to right. me, th- this feels. A, this is a step in the wrong direction. If I am Bobby Petrino.
3: Yeah, is that a wrong direction from for the team he's going to go play, go coach for? I mean, Bobby Petrino is lucky to be a coach anywhere in college football. Heck, if he was a coach in high school football, he'd be lucky. I mean, the guys. Everywhere he goes, it's, it's drama-filled. It, it's always, you know, it, it's always mistakes being made. I mean, the question is, every, think about it. Where he, when he left Louisville, what happens? Boom. When he fell off the motorcycle, whatever happened in Arkansas? Boom. What happened? So, you know, it, to me, it's a better it, – it's more of a risk for the college that's going to hire him than it is the coach that's getting hired. I mean, I don't have any sympathy for a guy who consistent, consistently goes out and, and does things that he tries to tell these kids not to do. Right. So what is it? Do as I say, not as I do type mentality of coaching off the field. And that's great he wins on the field, you know, congratulations. But off the field your character is not good. And that's not the kind of guy you want running your program. And that's not the kind of guy that you want your kids to be around. I know I've got two boys and I wouldn't send my kid to a college. I don't care whether he's coaching at Notre Dame, where I'm an Irish guy myself, or he's coaching at Alabama, or if he's coaching over at Charleston Southern. I I wouldn't I wouldn't want my kids to play for him because traditionally you know, you want a guy like, a, you know, and again, we bring up Dabo. We bring up, you know, even the likes of Mark Rick, what he was like down there, Bobby Bowden-type names. Those are the type coaches that you want your kids to play for. Even a, even a Nick Saban, like him, love him, or leave him, he's a winner. But you never hear players talking about how he treats them. They understand that's the method of the madness that takes it to the national championships. But to, to take a chance on a guy like this, he's landing exactly where I think he should land, and he's lucky to land this job.
1: Yeah, uh and and you know something else too that that just crossed my mind in your dialogue. Um something else is that I think this is kind of good for for most of college football to to have his name kind of uh, uh be uh being being pushed to the side that he doesn't have a Power 5 job or or a Division 1 job. Not that I don't want anybody to lose their job, uh, uh especially being a head coach uh, cuz you get enough pressure as it is. Uh, but for a guy like him, and, and, and you mentioned it, and you have some more you, – you have more information than I would have had uh, uh, about him and, and about this, uh, this hire that Missouri State does. And right. I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right that this is more of a, a risk. Uh, like, w- which one does this benefit? I think it really benefits uh, Petrino than it, than it does Missouri State because, uh, uh, again, they're going to have to contend with uh, whatever drama that, that comes their way, uh, if, if any. No. And I'm sure that there is right. bound to be some.
3: Right. Now, now, think about it. Now, I'm not saying that guys don't go out and change. Anybody and everybody can change, and that goes you, me, and anybody else. Look at Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze made some mistakes. He goes to Liberty, takes him to their first ever bowl game. It, it, it's all the belief. It was so hard to believe that Ole Miss, you know, they let him go. He leaves whatever the program is. He goes to Liberty, which is a Christian uh, college. They bring him in. They love on him. He does it the right way. You watch his post. You watch how he handles himself in social media. He's been a part of our show, which – He's a five-star dude. He made a mistake. He owned it, but he didn't go back to that same mistake. He continued to get better. He continued to to recognize and, and and fix what was broken. That's not happened with this coach. You know, and there's another issue, and I don't know if you've covered it here in the hour one and into hour two, is there is some conversation right now what's going on at Penn State. I don't know if you've seen that or not in the league. And and, and I that, that breaks my heart because – I am a huge fan of that coach at Penn State, and I really like that he's got this resurgent back over there. And maybe tomorrow we reach out to uh, our buddy over there that's played at Penn State, who now, of course, does some radio stuff around uh, the the area down in North Carolina. But, you know, it's always going to – this is what happens, man. Anything that happens today is reported today. There's no more waiting until the 6 o'clock news to come on. It's a right-now society we live in, and I don't think that's always a great thing. But for guys like you and me that report things, I mean, you know, look, we don't have to wait long. We just have to hope that the right person is at the right place and utilize the social media.
1: Yeah, um, it, there was an ex-Penn State player that uh, he, he filed uh, a lawsuit, and, and it lists uh, James Franklin, who is the head coach of Penn State and those Nittany Lions. Um, and they, he says in the lawsuit that uh, James Franklin, he he, he ignored – uh, hazing within, within the Penn State uh, program, the football program. So uh, I think that is something on the docket that we should save uh, for tomorrow uh, and, and continue to uh, have the conversation with, with our uh, friend, uh, Mr. Reginald Walker, Jr., who is the voice of the Charlotte 49ers uh, up in Charlotte. And, uh, and we'll have that conversation with him as he is, uh, again, he is a, a Penn State alum, and uh, that is a program that is very near. And dear, I'm sure to his heart. Uh, last thing, we've got about you know two or three minutes left. Uh, I'll just say it quickly in one word: uh, Odell Beckham Jr. LSU Cashgate. What are your What are your thoughts on that?
3: Oh man, I mean, I, I don't know what he was. Would... Yeah, I do. He's an individual. I mean, I I, I struggle with Odell, and I li- I want to like the guy, but you watch his antics over there with the Browns, and you want to watch some of the things that happen with him, and he makes it hard. But there was rumors, and we heard it yesterday from uh, our connection there inside the state of Louisiana where Matt Sims said it was fake money, maybe monopoly money, but now there's words that it was real money. And it kind of threw me for a loop that when somebody said it was fake money, he doesn't seem because of his character and the things that he's done in his past, the way he's moved, that that would even be a case that he would have fake money. And, and then, of course, that was he handed it to the players and they gave it back. Ain't nobody giving you back money, dude. I'm just going to be honest. You walk up to me and you give me a million dollars and wink me and tell me, hey, man, this is just for show. I'm going to see you in a few minutes. Look, dude, <laughs> psych, <laughs> that ain't happening. I'm out. Deuces. I'm gone. You know? and, and these players, you know, how, can they, how are they going to be affected? They're probably not. I mean, unless they get into it with the NFL, you know, these guys are gone. Most of those guys that, that he was handing money to were going to be getting a paycheck anyways in a few months on the NFL roster. So with that being said, why would Odell Beckham Jr., why would he sit there and and, and realistically put that program, who just had gone through a lot of transitions and had had a night to never forget, now takes it puts a black eye on the night, and now instead of them talking about all the success and the Cinderella story that was, now here we go. We're talking about a guy that doesn't even play on this team any longer.
1: Yeah, this is a story, again, I'm sure that there are going to be a lot more developments in this uh, story, and this is probably another one uh, table for tomorrow as well. Uh, Richie, uh, once again, happy birthday to you, and uh, can't wait to uh, get in studio with you tomorrow.
3: Yeah, man, we're going to have a great show tomorrow. We will get that young man you talked about. We may get in here with Matt Sims tomorrow. We'll kind of uncover this. Hey, college basketball, congratulations to you and your Clemson Tigers, man. I watched that game last night. You guys are knocking out UNC and Duke back-to-back. Imagine what that town would have looked like if y'all would have won a national title, but you know what? You want to forget a loss, pick up a few wins, and they've done that in the basketball program, so great job, and hey, we're going to turn the page a little bit with them and start talking some basketball.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Richie, thank you so much, and uh, for him and for all of us here at Southern Sports Central, I want to thank our sponsors, the Fan Zone, Garen's Pharmacy, Matt's Burgers, for all that they do uh, and, and continue to do for us, so uh, on behalf of all those and uh, and yours truly, my name is Will Porter, and this has been Southern Sports Central on Blog Talk Radio. We will see you uh, bright and, uh, I guess, early, <laughs> 6 o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow. We'll see you then.